This week's episode is brought to you once again by the Dark Irregulars. A clan full of vampires and succubi, Dark Irregulars is all about soul charging a bunch and then getting bonuses off of those soul charges. But it's also about FTKing the opponent thanks to No Life King Death Anchor. Dark Irregulars. It's kind of a poop joke if you really think about it. at night there is a lost recording somewhere of just me talking in dead air because i hit the wrong record button i'm atlas and i'm matt it's not lost at all <laughs> i'm root beer you're sure the record button is on this time yes it is on this time i am magzine from the solemn vanguard channel hello welcome welcome to uh the podcast on a less popular channel than you um <laughs> so What's uh today we're talking about uh, premium DI which seems pretty fitting cuz uh Mr. Solemn here what did you do with it uh, Um I won BCS Nancy so France in premium Congratulations Thank you Um so what what's um what were your matchups going in Right so I first had two non players because I had the buy card um, which I had won with, I believe, Grand Blue. And so then third round was Blasters, really nice guy. Um, he rushed me because obviously it's he assumed I played the regular NLK variant, which you can rush and win, especially with Blasters. So then he rushed me, he gave me the damage, and then as the deck, my variant can literally loop the second you ride grade 3, I just rode, did the loop and won because I had so much counter blast to work with. Then we had the fourth round, which was, I believe, Gredora Geese. So he got to Gredora before I got to No Life King, which was pretty sad for me. So he locked out one of the rows, which meant that I couldn't really do the big-ass loop because I couldn't swing uh, with two assassins. And then with Vanguard, I could only swing with assassin, boosted by assassin, and then Vanguard. So that meant I only had half a loop. I used only two counter blasts for the tiny loop. And then I could have swung a third time with Vanguard. But the problem is that I assumed he was keeping a heal to G-guard at last one. And so the next turn, he could Optirandus me, meaning I would just lose the game, literally. So instead of doing that, I passed turn, kept my assassins in soul, uh, and okay, still standing. And that way, he couldn't actually swing at my assassins. But... Uh, he couldn't. Al- he also couldn't G-guard, which meant he had to go into Overwhelm uh, and swing at me because I- he had no hand left whatsoever. So he swung at me, I took the damage, and then next turn I finished my loop and won that way. Um, then the next round I played against Link Joker Geese. I was extremely afraid because obviously like, uh, if Link Joker can use uh, Globudea, Globulo, <laughs> you know, the Globule one that calls Dover. without her... Yeah, that one. <laughs> and then uh, Mulepton... Um, and Lacus Carina too. So basically that deck was supposed to beat me. I think it was a really smart meta pick from him to be playing Ling Joker Geese because Ling Joker doesn't really have a finisher. But if you play Geese, you don't need one and you can still counter so much stuff in the meta apart from Ange. But so he didn't get to grade three. Um, he wrote two, I wrote three, and then I just did the loop and won. I think it was only with one or two counter blasts, but that's enough because it's Geese, meaning they can't take defensive triggers so your endless army of assassins finished them off because it was a 20k to a 9k 
And Link Joker doesn't have new triggers either, so they don't have 15k guard. Their triggers have 10k guard, meaning every single assassin swing is two cards from hand. So he was at two only, and I just did my loop with like one or two damage, and that was enough. Then the next round was an NLK mirror. But he played generic NLK, and I played a faster one. It was actually built for that. I was assuming that I would be going into a tournament full of NLK, where I would literally just always be the faster NLK and win that way. And so I only played two NLK mirrors, actually, that entire tournament. But so just like I had built a deck, I rode and I won the game on my loop. Then the final round of Swiss, uh, round seven, I was going 6-0 and I was at table one. So I was already sure I'd be in top eight, meaning instead of actually playing out a game and that way giving information to my opponent, I just scooped before riding, meaning he didn't get the information that I was playing a very fast build. And then apart from that, um, since my build is so fast, no one had seen me playing apart from my opponents, meaning literally no one had information about the deck and how it worked. So the scoop actually ended up really paying off because I saw this person again in top eight and beat him because he didn't have the info. So he didn't know there was some kind of counterplay. So then top eight, um, I go up against Spikes. Really nice guy as well. Um, he rushed me because, again, generic NLK can be rushed by both Blasters and Spikes and Ripples. But so because he ru rushed me, I had to damage to then do my loop when I rode and I won. Then um, I met the guy who I spoke of, of round seven in Swiss, I'm in top four. That was also Spike. And so he didn't completely do a rush, but he did like half a one. I think he passed turn on grade one, but then started rushing on grade two for some reason. And so he did that, gave me the damage. I did half a loop. Um, and then I passed turn again with Assassin's Insult, so he can't swing at them. So he has to swing at me, give me that damage. And then I did another half a loop and won. Then finally, the finals was another NLK mirror where I was just the faster NLK and then won the tournament. The fastest NLK in the West. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you say faster NLK, what was what, like, what did you do to make the deck faster? So we, a lot of people have seen like the list uh, prior to the slower NLK decks. What, what did you add that were making the deck faster? Right. So the, the basic build idea behind regular NLK is that they play their game very conservatively and then they stride once, which turns on all kinds of cards like Bobo, uh, like the Cat, meaning they can spend a lot of Counter Blast on Soul Charging and then get that Counter Blast back with the Cat anyway, so it doesn't matter. And they can also G-Guard to Soul Charge like with Batmalat. Now, the thing is, that means they always have to either G-Guard or stride before doing their loop, meaning... If I can loop when I just ride grade three, I will always be one turn ahead. I will always loop one turn before any other NLK deck can. So I added Yellow Bolt, who can essentially soul charge three by himself if you see him on turn one. Uh, he can soul charge two by himself if you see him on turn two. And if you see him on just a regular turn, your turn three, he soul charges one as well because essentially you rest him and soul charge one. So at that point, if you see him that late, he soul charges just as much as a prisoner beast. But if you see him any earlier, he soul charges much more. So him by himself already speeds up the deck a lot. But then apart from that, I also run four Tragic Claw, 
which not every list runs, but I think every list should run. I know Kevin Cho, who won BCS Anaheim, um, runs it, and that's good on him because he really should. But that really speeds stuff up because you can call like Hysteric Shirley behind him, Soul Charge from him, uh, Soul Charge with Shirley. Then you can call a Spirit Inviter behind him, Soul Charge from him, Soul Charge with Spirit Inviter and so forth. And um, so, yeah, I also run Spirit Inviter, the, the draw who goes into Soul. Because essentially, I run 12 draws, meaning I see my pieces much easier. And so that means that every single piece in the deck already turns into a soul. Like, apart from Creeper or something odd like that, every single card goes to soul. Meaning, every draw I get is actually an extra piece into soul. Meaning, hitting 13 is very easy. Especially with Yellow Bolt already creating three cards by himself, if you see him that fast or two. So all those things compound, all those things compounded essentially make it so you will have your 13 soul or even more the second you write three, meaning you can then do your loop. And you don't even need like every assassin at that point. You can easily have one or two and start looping because once you start looping, you charge so much already because you are charging from your field. You are rewriting an okay, which is one charge. And then you also have your drive checks meaning you have even more opportunity to put Assassin into Soul. And since you run 12 draws, most of your drive checks will have a draw, meaning you have one more chance on top of that to see the Assassin. So like you start a loop with even one Assassin in Soul, sometimes two, and you will probably get the entire loop off. Apart from that, if you only have two Assassins in Soul, but you have three Counter Blast, that is the maximum amount of Assassins you need to use up all your counter blasts to do your loop. So often two counter, uh, three counter blasts and two assassins is enough. So that's basically how it's faster, and that's the idea behind the deck. Did you ever have a, like, <coughs> did you ever come close to deck out? No, because if you, like, I know this was actually an issue when I started playing normal and okay, thinking I was going to play that. Since you only do it after striding and g-guarding once, that means you have had three extra drive checks since you run draws that maybe it's like four extra cards. You did Batma lot, which is two more than your draw for turn. So like you easily go through like seven or ten extra cards overall just by taking the damage because you give them an extra turn as well. And so many things just compounded, meaning deck out was a real issue, meaning you had to run the Serpent Charmer or the Sullivan backup into Tybolt and stuff like that. Whereas if you do it when you ride, you will not deck out. It just doesn't happen. So, Yellow Bolt was kind of uh, the card that was made uh, kind of a bit more expensive, I believe. Like it's before $14 the dollars now. Yeah, $14 <laughs> player as of December 8th, 2018. And, like, it, before, like I, I know I have a bunch of this card somewhere in some box. I just don't know. don't feel like digging it out. But uh, or it's, it's, it's going to take too long to find it, and it's just not worth the time to me, I guess. Let's try what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it all its skill also works on Vanguard. Has that ever come up where you might use the skill, you might ride it, and then like use it on Vanguard? Maybe on, I guess it's like useful on turn one, so you can generate that extra soul, or perhaps. Right. So, if you if you see it on turn one, you use the skill. Obviously, if you had to ride it, it's actually pretty sad if you had to ride it because mm -hmm. that means if you had some other grade one, that would have meant you had three soul charge. Whereas if you see it on turn one, it's only one. Regardless, if you see it, so you ride it, you soul charge. That's great. But then on turn two. You sometimes want to do as as well, for example, in the Ansh or the Luard matchup, because you don't want to give them the counter blast to do the Ansh 12 play, like where they immediately ride so they can stride on your grade two. 
Um, mm -hmm. And then also against Luard, you don't want to give them the counter blast to use Blaster Dark against you. So against against Luard, you would literally call something random on the field beyond the yellow bolt to then not give them the twin drive because maybe they can then destroy you in a rush or something within the main and the blaster darks and all that kind of stuff. So even on turn two, you will sometimes use his rest skill on V, which is really nice. Nice. Another deck that can actually um, destroy you that way, just like Ange twice, the Cruel Dragon play. I don't know if you saw that, but in Japan... Or, or at least the Japanese meta game, you had this Kagero deck using Cruel Dragon, which is also a quick ride. But in order to be able to use that, they need to retire, and all their retire is um, tied up behind the Counter Blast, I think. But then the Cruel Dragon is also tied up behind the Counter Blast. I'm not sure how how it worked, but essentially they need to one Counter Blast. So what you do is you just use the Yellow Bolt to not swing, and you also don't call anything, meaning. If you didn't call anything, they can't retire anything, meaning they can't do the quick ride. Right. Uh, Cruel Dragon, the original or the V version? or The original. The original. The The new one does not ride itself. The new one calls itself. Oh. Oh. Reveal this card. Choose your grade 2 or greater Kagero Vanguard Rested. During your main phase, your opponent's radar is put into the drop zone. Ride this card to stand. Choose your Vanguard. Gets plus 3k. Minus 3k. Oh, minus 3k. Sorry. Yeah, but you also have to limit break bullshit. So, like, it doesn't come up that often, I guess. But it's still a, a cheesy thing that I kept in mind just in case. Seems very Ezreal-esque. Yes, but less good. <laughs> yep. I was looking to do it faster and freer. Yep. Uh, do you think that Enigmatic Assassin needs to get hit? Yes, it should be hit to one or zero. I see people going, oh, it like two is fine, it doesn't kill the deck. And I'm like, yes, it doesn't kill the deck, it actually keeps it just as good. Well, not just as good, but still. good enough to a point where it's still oppressive, yeah. So, like, because if you, like I said, if you only have two assassin, that means you can still do a loop with three counter blasts, which finishes off literally every deck apart from Ange, because Ange can use, like, uh, the Aqua PG, which is six PGs, and they also have Ellie, which is gigantic together with Sandy. So, like, Ange can survive half a loop, or you use two enigmatics and three counter blasts, but any other deck literally can't. So, I don't think putting it to two really do, does much. That's fair. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, of the of the opinion. I, I know Bushi doesn't ban cards, but I think if I were in control and I just didn't care what Bushi thought, I would probably ban it, just because I think it's had a good run. But uh, I can definitely it's see a very it good run. Yeah. We had a good run, buddy. It's time for you to go. I really wish they could just ban it before Worlds, but alas. I'm guessing that they, they needed to kind of illustrate the point. Um, I mean, in, in California, what was it, five or six of eight of the top eight? I think five, but you said six. So. Yeah, I was told six from someone, so, from someone at the event, so. I don't I actually... guess we can see it on Facebook, on their page, but it would take a while. Regardless, it's clearly oppressive. Yeah, and I believe all three were, all three of the top three were, uh, were the NLK deck as well. That one I can yep, check up true. on real quick. Uh, that one... Okay, the, the block A was not... Block B was... Also not. Uh, Murkumo, Murkumo. 
OTT. Weird. Look for premium. All oh, right for premium. I clicked on the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> DI, 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 all three. Yep. Also pretty funny, Mexico was won by uh, DI, and the deck name of the guy is pretty funny if you check it out. Let's see, Mexico, it was uh, No Soy Solemn Vanguard. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Let's see. He, okay, he he didn't do the the yellow bolt stuff. I'm not sure if this was after your win. It was one week after Nancy, but yeah, he didn't, uh, he didn't do yellow bolt. He played regular. Oh, I'm currently on the Card Fight Vanguard Facebook, and it was five dark regulars in the. It was topic. five. Oh, my apologies. Yeah. Still. No, it's fine. Still. Still, still a lot. <laughs> yeah, way too much. <laughs> um. Now, assuming an uh, you know assassin gets hit here, do you think the deck can still do stuff or? I think the I will still be a fine deck, like. Um, me and Andrew, the guy who beat me in top eight with geese in uh, London, he came up with this thing where you basically play the old Sherald deck, like a darkness deck, but then you use Gaulish D spoiler as your main ride because it's basically a better Imperial daughter in that sense because you get something from Soul which can be like a heal because you have been Soul charging early or a stride fodder like Wertiger Jaeger or maybe a Baleful Repressor, something like that. So you can choose whatever the hell you want and get it to hand because of the spoiler and then you also get a protect marker on top of that and you just stride to balam use your baleful all that kind of good stuff you still have access to so i thought that was a really good idea and so i think if enigmatic assassin gets hit di will be a good deck but it won't be tier one stuff like maybe uh gold paladin or an lk or angel geese right uh, Gullishty Spoiler was on Ride, Counterblast, Soul Charge 2, return up to 1 grade 2 or less card from your soldier hand. So, if you Soul Charged a lot in the early game there, that means that this is essentially a bigger sample size of Imperial Daughter. Yeah, exactly. So usually you will, I don't know, if if you charge a little bit, and he, he himself also charges, so you will probably get something like a Heal or a War Tiger Jaeger. It's free, so... Instead of uh, being able to choose from two cards, you choose from, at the minimum, five. Because you have yes. zero, one, two, and then whatever the two cards you soul charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That is pretty cool. Um, and it's nice to know that's a rare, so you can still do, uh, you know, it's budget, quote-unquote. Yeah, it would be quite budget, because everything else in Dark Regulars is very cheap. Like, Enigmatic Assassins is hyped, so those are up. Uh, and LK is low because it sucks as in standard, but everything else is really, really cheap in that deck. I don't think the card itself is sucks. It's that everything around it sucks. And... Yes, exactly. Like just yeah. they can't get to thirteen that reliably, or it takes a while, and by that time it's like, eh, who They're cares? Dead. Slow as molasses. Yeah. There. I know this is a <laughs> mostly discussion about dark razors and premium, but uh, one of the like people were. When the DI cards were being spoiled for standard originally, like people were like once NLK was turned, everyone was be like, "Oh God, no, stop!" <laughs> and but like, I was definitely looking at the card, the, the cards in standard. I'm like, all these cards are really low quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you look at the cards and you're like, why would I want to put any of these cards in my deck? And I know that you had to do that with like, the old Vanguard, but like if you look at a lot of the new cards, 
Like, sometimes you're playing cards you kind of don't want to play, but they're not, like, abysmal. Yeah, like, uh, I, I'm, I've been testing Standard Great Nature. Most of, outside of the uh, the Cats and Barcode Zebra, the rest of your stuff is very just there. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, I, mean, I, I have the Brain and Geograph Giant and Silver Wolf, and it's fine. There's not really... I feel like Geograph Giant is actually really good, but as you say, there is a lot of jank in that card pool. Yeah, the um, I have him as a two of, and then two of the eight K guy. Where if you hit, you soul blast draw. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, meanwhile, over in Tangent Land, but the uh, it, it it's just one of those things where the, it's just around. It, it will get replaced by stuff, but for now, it'll it'll be fine. Um, I mean, don't don't you dare say Hamstuke is bad, though, or you will get an entire mob behind you. Oh, you know what? The, everyone can eat me. Hamstay is a waste of card space. I don't freaking care that he's triple R. Someone insinuated <laughs> exactly. to me that he the grade three might have been the origin. Where I'm like, don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> I think uh, when I think Gwyn was shown, was that the origin rare for Di? Yeah. I was like, why would why does this card exist? Why does it have to be ten to get the retire? Just let him let him do the thing regardless, or five no. at the at the least, or most, I guess. Most like soul, like even if it were like some really low count, right? I don't even think that card's busted. I'm not even sure. The, like I'm, it's I'm just not, like I'm so not saying it's busted, over... but it'd be nice to have just like an on call. You get a soul charge and you can kill something. That's good. No, they wanted none of that. Yeah, it would have been a fine card at least. Yeah, it would have been. It would have felt okay, but now it's. But as it stands, you're like, what? <laughs> you know the thing though with the jank in standard is also it's kind of setting up the fact that hey guys, we're gonna print some really good high rarity stuff in your second wave of support. So get ready for a full bling deck, but with the same problems as G, where you still have to hunt for old cards. Yep, and we're already seeing that with like the new Alfred Monarch that requires King of Knights Alfred. At least that's what I'm hearing. So you will still need like eight VRs or whatever, something stupid like that, which is basically the start of the thing people cried about in G. Oh no, here it comes! Please stop, Road. I mean, new Azel has the same issue. You're also still yeah, you have the to old use one. the old one. Yeah. Granted, in that case, it, they're two sets apart from each other, which is not that bad. Could be worse. Everyone can just, just play more Kuma, which costs like zero dollars. I bought I bought the, the deck in standard for thirty five dollars. That's a lot. This is this is <laughs> one of the top decks in the meta. Thirty five fucking dollars. Yeah, but then Neo Nectar comes out and just shits all over you. So yeah, yep. we're still still waiting on that promo though. Uh huh. But as for now, we um okay. Wait, so the the, the perspective. Monarch Sanctuary Alfred still is when, uh, when you play Sun Van, choose up to one Blaster Blade in your drop zone, put it in your hand. If you put until the end of the turn, he gets plus 15k, and if you have a King of Knights Alfred, your soul gets a crit. What? Yep. Not bad. Is like, this like... It's not great either. Do I care? <laughs> what? I'm just trying to decide if I care about this card. I uh, think the answer if, the, if there's I... no other skill, this is very kind of medium. Uh, yeah, and it, it it would seem to be a pattern with uh, Raven Hair Ezel, where 
the if you have the old one in the soul, it gets fifteen k in a crit. Oh, uh, yeah. I really don't like that. I don't want to hear yeah. it all. Which means I'm going to need Zombaku and Soul for Zangeki. Probably. Probably. God. I mean, not even that. Like, even sure, it's a money thing, but it's also just very RNG added onto yeah. a format that's already quite sacky. So mm-hmm. now you will be forced to write something specific and after that, write something else specific. So it's, I don't know. I really don't like such inconsistent support. Me neither. Although in the case in the case of Ezel, you can search that from deck. So yeah, it's, yeah. That's true. I think what's really important for standard decks right now is having multiple good rides at grade three. Yes. And now we're just limiting uh, what would what of those exist. Yeah, you tell me. I play Grand Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, ride Baskerk or lose, no problem. Exactly. I mean, not even just ride Baskerk or lose. It's Right, Romario, then right, Rune Shape, then right, Baskirk, or lose. <laughs> oh no! I've written not Rune Shape before, and it's worked out okay. Just as long as you see it on that turn two somewhere. <laughs> I guess you're okay. Um, but I mean, if if you listen to online communities, writing three specific cards after each other is apparently a ninety percent because Hamsuke also happens ninety percent oh, of the time. Bullshit! Oh, Man. <laughs> It's pretty no, good. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just shit posting a little now. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that sounds like something somebody would say. We got way the hell off topic, but that, that's that's okay. Um, let's see. Asked if you if assassin should be hit. So one thing I do want to ask hit. is if we let's pretend that we're in a world where assassin is hit to presumably one. Yeah. I don't. Think, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to assume that it's going to be hit to anything, a hit to zero in any meaningful way. Uh. Do you think that Geese will be problematic in such a world? Mm, I think it gets beat by literally every deck that is competitive right now. <laughs> like, Ange can do stu- against, like, stuff against it, plenty of it. Luar too, Spikes can too. I, I think there's, there's just a... Oh, I forgot, Gold Paladin completely destroys them as well. So, like, <laughs> yes, Geese is kind of being gate-kept out of the meta by NLK to a point where people don't take it and they would rather take NLK if they're very competitive. Mm-hmm. But So maybe Geese would come back into top tables. But I don't know. I, I don't think it really matters. Maybe Angel Geese is oppressive enough to change my mind. But I don't think so. Well, the thing with okay. Geese is that it's not one clan. It's Geese meshed in with whatever clan you want. So, you know, there's uh, OT Geese, there's, uh, I presume... If it happens, the Deer Chronicle stuff for, with uh, with Mystery Flare, there's uh, <laughs> what's it called? Um, there's Genesis Gize, yeah, Himiko, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know Luar Gize is a thing. So, and then also, somebody, I mean, somebody did it with uh, Mega Colony too. So, like, you have multiple different variants of the same win condition, and also that Link Joker guy you mentioned. So, yeah, but they all have the same issue, which is no defensive triggers really opens them up to being rushed. Yes. But that also means that the sample size, I think, gets skewed a little bit, where you can't really be like, oh, this you know, this clan got top. It's this Cray Elemental got top. How did it do it? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, there's only a handful of clans that can actually do it well. Like the Gear Chronicle stuff is a big meme. Yeah, it is. Um, Luard Geese is a meme. 
the only valid decks I would say are OTT geese, Angel geese, Gredora geese, and Himiko geese. I forgot about and even Himiko. Yeah, but even Himiko geese has like the glaring issue where it has no way to actually get to its ultimate stride cost, the grade three. And then it sure it can immediately get the five phase of Zeroths, but if you don't have your stride folder, what are you gonna do? And then also it doesn't have really much hand, I would say. We're also missing a very important um, pair of cards, promos, that help with hand building, I believe. I think it's two bears or two dogs or something that we didn't get that Genesis got in Japan. So as long as we don't get those, Himiko Geese has even more issues. All right. I think more people are just into the, all right, cool, I can... Uh, have my front rows have crits and then also bind three Zeroth dragons. Yeah. I keep having to reread the still every once in a while because the only person in my friend group here that wants to do it is like, we're all kind of giving him shit for it so I think he's like, a, he's not afraid but I, I'm getting the feeling he's like, I don't think I want to risk the friendship like, like that. <laughs> wow. Kind of. Well, we give each other shit. It happens. Um, <laughs> so, I guess ahead. a good follow-up question to the if you do, so if geese if you don't think, you don't think geese would be banned, I guess is the big takeaway there. Uh, do you do you think there is a card that should be put on the ban list that is that you know we haven't discussed yet? Okay, so I do think geese should be banned for the health of like the the fun, let's say, but it's not a oh, competitive big issue. However, I do think Ellie should be put to one or Sandy should be put to one. Basically, something to stop Ange from having infinite, gigantic, well, actually perfect guards, but I guess I have to call it G guards. Ellie the, the G guard or Ellie the. Ellie the G guard. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Ange right now is being neutered quite a bit by its 5k triggers. But one week after the ban list, we get the new trial deck, meaning we will get an Ange with. 10k shield grade ones and new triggers and i think from that point onwards we can really expect Ansh to be really really good as like again mm-hmm. now obviously bushi will probably just wait it out but i don't think they should i see they still uh like Ansh, you know got like top three in a lot of these premium uh blocks and this is like you said without any 50 you know plus 10k triggers or you know, 10k shield grade ones, mm-hmm. which th- that that says a lot for a deck that you know this got released you know pre reboot or like at the very end, right before the reboot, and then it's just kind of still around. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. home. <laughs> How is it doing in Japan right now? For it Andrew? recently topped once, but I don't think Japan likes Bermuda that much. Apparently, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why. It it doesn't do anything, even though it keeps stopping in the West, and now it just stopped once from yeah, my memory. Because Bushiroad will definitely prioritize Japan over us, so if it's not doing anything in Japan, there's a possibility they just ignore it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I don't think the deck is oppressive. I just think it will scale too well with new support to a point mm-hmm. where it may have it's to be looked at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have a similar thing with Deer Chronicle. You're seeing that top every once in a while, but somehow that feels not as bad. Yeah, because a lot of the news, like nothing of the new stuff is CTB, so there's no crossover whatsoever. 
Like yeah, even at the at the GBT fourteen moment, we started seeing people run non ZTBs inside ZTB, like the hard dump worker, like maybe one delayed blazer, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. Some people, including me, even ran the history maker in the melon just for shits and giggles. But overall, the more of non ZTB you push into that deck, the worse it gets. And it's also just Ange is a completely generic card and everything in that deck is generic. Like Ellie doesn't say, oh, you have to be on this kind of Vanguard. Sandy doesn't say that. The six of PG doesn't say that. So none of this stuff is specific Vanguard reliant, whereas with ZTB, it really is. A lot of cards are if you have a Chronojet Vanguard, meaning, I don't know, I, I don't think we can have the same problem with Gears. Interesting. Also, I think Gears' new mechanic in general just kind of uh, is different enough from the old one. Yeah, even counterproductive in a sense. Why? Because you have to not try to do this stuff. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stuff like the the grade four, the new grade four, really goes against. Um, what you may want to be doing, like striding to get to your heritage, because essentially. ZTB around GBT-14 wasn't even that good if Heritage didn't exist. It's the fact that they could survive long enough and then Heritage giving you two turns where people couldn't do anything. And sure, Heritage didn't get power, didn't get crits, didn't get drive checks, but they had so many ways to multi-attack with Unicorn and with Sheep and so forth that that compounded on Heritage was way too much. So now, if you then don't try, you have no real way of getting to Heritage really consistently meaning right. you lose out on quite a bit. I think also, uh, at least in premium, um, yeah, with the, you know, the big hand sizes, but also just protect gifts in general make mm -hmm. this a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, I'm, that might change later, but uh, of the, you know, games I played against... Uh, you know, G, Gear Chronicle. It, it, it's not as scary as it used to be. Yeah, because back in the day, like, if they went into Gear Next, you knew, damn, I need two PGs, or at least one big G guard and a PG. But now having that protect on top of that, you're like, like okay, fine. It doesn't really matter that much. Oh, and then with Ange, uh, second place in Malaysia, and first place in New Jersey. Oh, in Malaysia? I didn't know. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah, Malaysia, you had OTDZ, Ange, and uh, OTDZ. Which is shocker. <laughs> Sounds like a fun tournament, man. <laughs> uh, are you, uh, question, are you going to bring... I, I would ask what you were going to bring to Worlds, but I'm guessing you want to keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. Because this is a this is a public figure. Uh, <laughs> you don't want no, to give away um, this stuff. That's true. I I think I won't be bringing Turbo NLK because now people know, and I assume that the highest level players will, well, obviously look at what has been topping and prepare for all of that. So I think without a surprise factor, it's nowhere near as good of a deck. 
Spoiler alert, he's going to show up with the, the NLK Turbo after saying he wasn't, and then it'll take everybody by surprise. <laughs> Damn, you saw through me. <laughs> I, I, I've blown his cover. Damn, man, let's not air this. Uh... <laughs> uh, so, anything else we want to add about uh, Premium DI? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people say like, oh, I don't want to play premium because NLK is a thing. And I get where they're coming from. Obviously, like the Anaheim 5 out of 8 was ridiculous. But beyond that, it's not really game ending. Like fucking Azel bum rushes the shit out of it, which is not something people seem to know. Like I was reading Vanguardians a few days ago and I saw people going like, oh, I'm going to build premium Azel for the meme. I'm like, premium Azel is one of the best decks in the format. How is it a meme? But people don't seem to know. For some reason, they don't look at Japanese results, or I don't know. But Vanguardians is, really is very slow to pick up on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk shit on on forums or something, especially when it has twenty five thousand people in it. So obviously, you have a big like diversity of people. But for, for some reason, people don't know that Azel is an insanely good deck. And when I tell them, they're like, "What? Show me a list." I'm like, "It has been topping almost every event." <laughs> Turns out being grade three when your opponent's grade one is pretty good. Yeah, for, for some reason. I don't know why, but... Uh. And with, with the new stride rules, you can do all that stuff. Also, and this has been a fantasy of mine, is uh, Glorious Raining Dragon when you have all those Excel circles. Oh, um, yeah, it is really good. Especially because a lot of the cards you call from Glorious Raining also call new cards by themselves. So even when Glorious Raining only calls two... If those two are Henrinus, Viviana, or Sagramore, you actually called four. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so your first stride is Helios, and then your second stride is Glorious Raining. And of that Glorious Raining, you will not call three. You will likely call a completely new field. Wow. It's pretty good. <laughs> it really is, and people don't know for some reason, but... They'll they'll know once they see worlds, I guess, unless it somehow isn't picked up. I don't know. I mean, it took. Do you remember when Night Rose was the top deck, and but everyone was buying gears, and it, yeah, Japan picked it up, and it took about a month and a half for the U.S. to catch on. Yeah, but I also think Night Rose was the hardest deck to play that G format and before has ever seen. Like, not the floor, like, it's pretty easy to play the basic moves, but to be able to go to 11 attacks in, attacks in a turn consistently out of nowhere, you really had to know every single line of play really well to, to push that deck to its ceiling. So we saw people like Jamie Alvarez, if you know him, he also Hi, has May. this YouTube channel. Commander yeah, Jamie. yeah. He's been on this podcast before. Yeah, and so you, you saw him topping with it consistently because he actually mastered that deck. And not many people can say that. So I, I think it was also just a thing of, yes, you had people entering with it, but just not knowing combos before beyond, oh, my Negrobone calls one more card. Right. And I think another like small feature of that deck is like you, the way it can adjust when your opponent gets triggers on damage to be like, oh, now, I can, now I'm going to change my line to this. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was just a really hard deck to play. Do you think part of your success was... Uh due to having a uh, a win condition that remained largely unchanged based on the game? 
Um, you mean with an LK? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the deck literally doesn't care about what happens. That's what I'm saying. Because like, compared, yeah. compared to something like Night Rose or something with a lot of decision trees, you have to be constantly alert because your chances to misplay are higher just by, you know, the amount of moving parts. So with something like an LK where you just don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, but on the flip side, it, I have seen people pilot a deck apparently after France, like all of CFA was playing it. I've seen people pilot a deck and make very minor-looking moves that ended up making them not hit the loop, or they went for the loop maybe a turn too early. Because sometimes, um, it didn't come up in France for some reason, but sometimes I was like, okay, this is not the moment for me to ride and try. I'm going to sit on grade two one more turn. And like just little decisions like that, people fuck up, and then they completely ruin it for some reason. So I, I feel like... Yes, um, you have to be less alert than Nitros, absolutely. But there's still tiny decisions that completely change your game that people seem to fuck up for some reason. Yeah, and and that I think that comes a lot from uh, not having the reps. The reps? What do you, uh, mean? you just, like? Just uh, getting uh, uh, playing enough games with the deck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like I'm, I'm, I'm obviously then judging them on on maybe playing the game, the, the the like the first ten times or something. Obviously, then it's not completely ironed out. But playing, taking a deck you've played sub ten times to a tournament is also a little sketch. Yeah, yeah, that's so the, true. <laughs> there's definitely a bad decision there somewhere. Like, oh yeah, but I, I haven't seen people take the deck like that deck to a tournament. I've only seen them play it in casual games, so I can't oh. really judge. Fair. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think people do this thing where they complain about net decking in the year 2018. I'm not really sure why, which is completely, it's completely fine. And I think you should in general, because a lot of times like you're going to be reinventing the wheel for a really long period of time. Uh, and it's, it's just more efficient to net deck and then make, and then learn and make adjustments from there. But like, yeah, I agree. even if you do net deck, which I'm again, I'm encouraging here, you should play a lot of games with it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, the net decking debate is so interesting to me because on one hand, I get it. Like I, like you say, you take it, you take a deck and then you start just changing stuff. But for some reason, both of my tops in this season on the two tournaments I attended were both decks that were literally me scrolling through wiki and figuring stuff out because I felt like if you take a deck that is already topping and you just like you say net deck you are gonna assume that you run into someone with that deck or a very similar one Mm -hmm. and if you then assume that both of you don't make a single misplay the whole game is decided by rng like you are assuming that you go to top tables and that you then face someone at your skill level and since you both net decked topping lists that means from that point onward it is rng that's a that's essentially why i didn't take Ange. Because I feel like Kevin Agel's list is the best list and there is nothing you can innovate. Meaning, if you take that, you will see other Ange players. You assume you're equally good. And from there, it's RNG. So that's, that's actually... why... Hmm? Oh, go on. Sorry. No, 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 go on. That's a lot of ifs, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, so I think... Net, the And the reason I think net decking is good, even despite these factors, is that 
you want a good basis for the decks that exist in the metagame. So you don't want to just like create a list like, oh, somebody said this Luard is good in premium. I'm going to make a random Luard list and pretend that this is the one that people are playing. Is oh, definitely yeah, you, you, not you should absolutely know exactly what lists people are running so you can learn from them. But I just feel like if you're going to take a solved list, you are already giving in to the fact that the mirror may end up being RNG. I know it's a lot of ifs, but like if you are on table one in round seven, you know your opponent knows their shit. Yeah. And they may be like in the way of you reaching top. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think this is a bit harder in Vanguard, but uh, in Magic, like I don't like people in that deck a lot, and you, there's still a lot of there's always editing to do because as the meta game changes, there's a lot of small decisions, card decisions you make in Magic, and I think Vanguard has less of that. Yeah, it's more uh, card but pool also, I think the point when he said when he thought Kevin Agile's version of And was just the best Angelist possible, that there was nothing to innovate is really important because now you're saying that. There's, I can't even play the deck enough to a certain point where I feel like I can make a useful change that's going to like drastically impact anything, like you know, like what happened with NLK, mm-hmm. and so it's not really worth trying spending the time to innovate. I mean, I did spend the time, and because I played the deck, not as much as NLK, but I I did play the deck at least eighty games or something like that because mm-hmm. I was planning on taking it to France, and I was just like. There is nothing I can change. The only thing I would change is the Honolis because um, he put them in because he f- expected to face Proof in New Jersey, but then he didn't. And so, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you should put Honoli in just because of spikes because it's not a huge deck. Um, and also it also doesn't can... really do much to NLK. So they they, they can do like sm- they can do less attacks at bigger numbers too. Yeah, uh, indeed, so and and it's like doesn't matter. Especially because lots of spike lists now run the tier, meaning they have infinite CC anyway, so they don't care. Yep. I don't know. I know, I know NLK, like people think it stops NLK, but since NLK can still do six Vanguard swings, Honolulu is really not going to be the factor that changes everything, in my opinion. Right. So that's the only thing. But at, at the time where he made that meta call, it was absolutely the way to go. So, so it, it's a, pretty much solved. A situation at the last, um, and this is incredibly off-topic, uh, uh-huh. situation at the last Magic Pro Tour where the best deck going in, everyone thought was this deck called Golgari, which basically the week before the Pro Tour had been kind of shut down by the other decks in the metagame. Mm-hmm. Like, people were developing decks that just had very good matchups against it, and people weren't doing it. We did the Pro Tour, still like 22 people, 22% of the metagame was Golgari. And they've all, mm-hmm. like, shifted their decks around in a way to, like, so it doesn't just auto lose to these other decks. This is really funny, and like the deck is and like Golgari is like still one of the best decks in the format, despite the metagame kind of shifting around it because it was able to shift back. And like I think that's what I really I think I wish Vanguard would get to a point like that, but that requires a lot of having a lot of cards. It's also just that the card quality of that deck is maybe so high that they can, like they can manage cutting some cards for things to counter. Because the yep. card quality of everything else is so high. Like, that's the thing with NLK as well. Like, I could go and say, oh, I'm going to innovate Silver Torns, but that doesn't <laughs> mean I'm going to win France with it because the card quality just isn't there. Whereas with NLK, I could I could cut stuff that other people ran, like Wertiger Jaeger, and put in the Yellow Bolts because, 
because the NLK loop by itself and the Gwyns and the Rootfin and the Tragics carry um, the loss of cutting those cards. Right. Yeah, and I think uh, premiums getting to a card pool, where hopefully we can see more of that. In, uh, I definitely like. I, I I definitely heard rumblings of some kind of NLK list, but I haven't seen anything like. But it is it is very cool. It is unfortunate that it's not something you can play in the future. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's also why I really like premium. Essentially, I look towards Yu-Gi-Oh's competitive scene. I know people came to Vanguard because they hated Yu-Gi-Oh at some point because it's toxic or whatever the hell. But Yu-Gi-Oh's competitive scene is so much more developed. And so you have people like Patrick Hoban and Jeff Jones and so forth that just top every single event because you have that card pool, because you can get creative. And that's also why I'm so heavily towards premium more so than standard, because you do have the card pool. It's starting to get to a point where you can make an interesting choice that ends up making you top because you don't have to take a solved list because there are thousands of cards open to you. And that's not really the case with standard, and that's why I dislike it. At least in the case of Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic versus Vanguard. Vanguard's been around for, I think, seven years, six years, and Yu-Gi-Oh!'s been around 20, and Magic longer than that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I think eventually it'll get to this point. But yeah, Premium... I think a lot of the fun comes from the deck building and standard. I enjoy at least like the little day to day minutia. With, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and th- that's not to say I enjoy one or the over the other, but I I like them both for different reasons. Oh but, yeah, me too. I'm I'm not trying. I understand that I may sometimes come off as oh fuck standard, but that's not the case. Like I get that it's a fun experience, but it's more so from a competitive standpoint that I can't take it mega seriously yet because the card pool just isn't there. And I know that will change. Like, new support will come out, the the pool will broaden, you will start making actual choices and so forth. And then, then it will become, like, competitively interesting as well. But for now, I just can't yet. But I do enjoy both for different reasons. Same here. Um, let's see. I'm... I'm kind of tapped out here about uh, about premium DI and premium in general. <laughs> if you want to move to standard, that's fine. I mean, no, it wasn't so much that. It was like I. I want to spend no more time talking about DI and standard. How about that? <laughs> Especially because we basically did this twice. Hooray! Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's my fault. Oh. <laughs> I. I, I pulled the, the dad move where, where I, I hit record on the wrong thing on my desktop before we started recording. So I just recorded my voice and then white noise and then oh, my voice again. It, I'm guessing it would be like that episode where I was just by myself and tried to mark marinate and it did not go well. Um, but this is <laughs> yeah, worse because it just seems like I'm talking to nobody. What? But they can... <laughs> Big big congrats to Maxime for winning uh, winning yes. France. Thank you uh, so much. Um, and we would love to have you back uh, sometime in the future if you'd be willing. Sure. Yeah. So uh, uh, until next time, you, you can you uh, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Nexus at Night. You can find me at Atlas Novak. Me at Wiggums. Me at Plasma Eclipse. And me at Maximus Solemn. Oh, um, I should do that again. <laughs> <laughs> What, on, on Twitter, Maxime Solemn? Yeah, at Maxim Solemn. And then, what about your channel? 
Uh, YouTube.com slash Solemn Vanguard. There you go. I mean, you, you, you have 3,000 more followers than or subscribers than us, so it doesn't matter. But still, the, <laughs> the principle is there. players in real life who uh, have found Solemn's channel, so people people are actively looking for Vanguard channels and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I, I meet people at Locals all the time who are like, I looked up Vanguard games and I got uh, this guy, Solemn Vanguard. Is he good? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. And then... Like also Nexus Core, I'm like that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I do know, however, that there's there's very little crossover between our audiences. Like I noticed that a good chunk of people who really like you really hate me for some reason. <laughs> and vice versa. Did, did Not actually... vice versa, actually. Huh. I'm guessing because half of the channel is the. You know, uh, Gabe, Jose, and Miles, and Richard, where, it, like, they kind of, it, it's all the, like, you know, the nihilism and the, like, kind of Rick and Morty, everything sucks. Miles but... hates me, right? He's, the, think... he's the guy who shit-talked me on Reddit once. I believe so. I am not entirely sure. They are, they are. I follow you. <laughs> I will it, say. It, all I can say is Nexus Core is very stratified, uh, to put it lightly. I'm just here doing okay. this podcast and filming a game every once in a while. So we have the adults and we have the kids, you know. So it goes. <laughs> do we just who did the who did the Kagero? You had this Kagero premium deck profile that was all just someone who was close to suicide. Probably that sounds like Jose. It, yes, it does. Uh, let's see here. I actually I forgot to watch that because it came up in my. Um, Came up in my subscription, and then I got distracted, and I forgot what it was. Let's see. Yeah, that's Jose. Um, the the dungaree mat. That's him. <clears throat> the dungaree thing. Yeah, uh, that that was also fun. Where I uh, we went to a regional one time, and this guy had a binder full of uh, dungaree and his cross ride, oh, and he had a, he had to sign it. <laughs> sign them. good times. Dungaree limited. Yeah, it was, it, he had regular Dundry and Dundry Unlimited for the purpose of being autographed. Dundry was a bad card because you had had to keep different bind piles for each Dundry that you rode. Oh, you did? Oh, right, because it was bound by it, this card. card. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Dundry, when was that? I don't think I played at that time. BT12? Something like that? BT09, BT12? Um, oh, I started on BT12 with Revengers, so... Ah, okay. I, was, I think it was earlier than that. I yeah, the Crossride came out around that time. The, the actual Dungaree came out there. The first one was BT08, and the, and the yep. Crossride is BT12. Oh, I see. It was real bad. Yeah, it was. Let's see. And then they had a starter to like try and help with it. Alright, but let's get out of here. Yeah, until next time, I'm Atlas. I'm still Matt. I'm Rupee here. I'm Maxine. And have a good night, everybody.